This is Space Time Series 24, Episode 134, for broadcast on the 24th of November 2021. Coming up on Space Time, NASA's Da Vinci mission to study Venus, evidence of an exploding comet discovered in Chile, and NASA's Ingenuity rotocopter undertakes its 15th flight on the red planet Mars. All that and more coming up on Space Time. Welcome to Space Time with Stuart Gary. All the I's are being dotted and the T's are being crossed. NASA's Da Vinci mission will launch in 2029. Da Vinci stands for Deep Atmosphere Venus Investigation of Noble Gases, Chemistry and Imaging. The spacecraft will carry a suite of instruments in an attempt to answer a range of long-standing questions about Earth's sister planet. Both Venus and Earth are about the same size. Both were formed in the same part of the solar system out of similar material, and both were formed under similar conditions at the same time. In fact, scientists think Venus may once have been a lot like the Earth, complete with oceans and pleasant surface temperatures. Da Vinci's data will help scientists determine if this intriguing possibility is true. Clues to Venus's mysterious past may well be hidden in its atmospheric gases, or possibly in surface rocks formed in association with ancient water in the planet's mountainous highlands. During two flybys, the Da Vinci Carrier Relay and Imaging spacecraft will collect data on the planet's daytime side, looking for unknown compounds that absorb ultraviolet light in Venus's upper atmosphere using a compact ultraviolet to visible imaging spectrometer. Meanwhile, on the planet's night side, the Venus Imaging System for Observational Reconnaissance will sense heat from Venus's surface emerging from beneath the clouds to help scientists better understand the composition of diverse geological highland regions across the planet. It'll also study clouds on Venus's day side in ultraviolet, producing cloud motion images. See, the problem is, if Venus is Earth's sister planet, then it's a twisted sister, with surface temperatures of more than 470 degrees Celsius, that's hot enough to melt lead, atmospheric pressures 90 times greater than sea level on Earth, a thick carbon dioxide atmosphere and dense cloud cover that rains sulfuric acid and metallic snow. Even stranger, Venus rotates backwards on its axis compared to most other planets in our solar system. But it rotates so slowly, a Venusian day is actually longer than its year. Da Vinci's mission will try to explain why Venus and Earth evolved so differently. As NASA TV explains. The surface of Venus is completely inhospitable for life. Barren, dry, crushed under an atmosphere about 90 times the pressure of Earth's, and roasted by temperatures two times hotter than an oven. But was it always that way? Could Venus once have been a twin of Earth, a habitable world with liquid water oceans? Here are 10 mysteries of Venus that NASA scientists are still grappling with. Did Venus ever host life? To answer this question, we first need to understand the past environment on Venus. This involves studying the atmosphere, geology, and history of the planet, something NASA's Da Vinci mission plans on exploring in great detail. Why did Venus evolve so differently than Earth? Venus and Earth are similar in size and density, and yet they are strikingly different. 
Air pressure at the surface of Venus is 90 times that of Earth. Venus rotates on its axis backwards compared to the other planets in the solar system, and the surface of Venus is over 900 degrees Fahrenheit, making it the hottest planet in our solar system, hot enough to melt lead. Venus's evolution through time may help us understand how habitability evolves over time, and where we might find habitable planets beyond our solar system. How did Venus form? It is still not known if Venus was bombarded by comets and asteroids rich in water the way Earth was. Understanding the delivery of water to Venus is important for evaluating its potential to host oceans in the past. What is the atmospheric composition at Venus? One of the biggest mysteries of Venus's atmosphere lies in the lowermost or deep atmosphere, where carbon dioxide is heated and pressurized to the point where it acts more like a hot liquid than a gas. The Da Vinci probe will measure chemistry, pressure, temperature, and dynamics at least every 200 meters as it descends through Venus's atmosphere to the surface. How are the rocks of Venus formed? Da Vinci's high-resolution imaging beneath the clouds will test ideas about the role of water in forming what may be ancient continental crust on Venus at human scales. Da Vinci will study one of these tesserae, Alpha Regio, to better understand its composition. How much water did Venus have? Liquid water is essential for life. We cannot assess Venus's past habitability without knowing how much water Venus may have had, and when and how it lost that water. Scientists will use measurements of the atmosphere from the Da Vinci probe to explore clues of the story of past water on our sister planet. What is the nature of surface activity at Venus? Earth's crust hosts a network of relatively thin plates jostling around on the planet's surface in constant horizontal motion. If similar plate tectonics exist on Venus, the planet's crust must experience continental drift, like Earth. Another key mystery about the surface of Venus is volcanism. The two upcoming missions to Venus, Da Vinci and Veritas, aim to understand the current volcanic activity at Venus. What do the mountains look like on Venus? Previous Venus landers, Venera and Vega, have taken photographs of the Venusian plains from the surface, but Da Vinci's cameras will snap the first ever high-resolution aerial photos of a mountainous tessera surface as the probe descends over the rugged Alpha Regio Highlands region. Are there Venus-like planets beyond our solar system? We will be able to relate what we discover at Venus to Venus-like exoplanets observed by the James Webb Space Telescope. If Venus shows signs of previous habitability, that could mean these exoplanets might be habitable as well. New mysteries we haven't thought of yet. There are many new mysteries we can't even imagine right now. With NASA's newest missions to our sister planet, there are plenty of new discoveries to be made. Two years after its launch, Da Vinci's descent sphere will be dropped by the carrier spacecraft into this extreme environment. It'll provide new direct measurements of the Venusian atmosphere and reveal a bird's eye view of the surface below the clouds. The descent location, the Alpha Regio Tessera, is a mountainous highland region where rocks may hold clues about the planet's mysterious past. The titanium sphere is designed to withstand the harsh conditions of the Venusian environment, protecting the delicate instruments nestled inside. The Venus Tunable Laser Spectrometer will measure key gases that offer clues to the planet's past, including compounds that may hint at the possible history of past water on the planet. 
The Venus Mass Spectrometer will study the atmosphere in detail, including noble gases and trace gases from 67 kilometres up all the way down to the surface. Another instrument, the Venus Atmosphere Extractor Investigation, will measure air pressure and temperature as well as wind speeds all the way through the descent. And peering through a transparent sapphire window at the bottom of the descent sphere will be the Venus Descent Imager. It'll map the three-dimensional topography and composition of Alpha Regio with topographic resolution down to submillimeter scales. Lastly, the Venus Oxygen Fugacity Experiment will be mounted on the probe to measure oxygen in the deep atmosphere. Now, together, this set of data will help rewrite the textbooks on Venus. It may even help scientists better understand Venus-like planets in other solar systems. This report from NASA TV. Launching in 2029, the Da Vinci mission, named after Leonardo da Vinci, is designed to address fundamental questions about the origin, evolution, and composition of Venus. During two gravity assist flybys, da Vinci will study the cloud tops in ultraviolet light, tracking cloud patterns as they change with time and analyzing signatures of mysterious chemicals that absorb ultraviolet light. Both flybys will also examine heat emanating from the Venus surface on the planet's night side. We will look for geological clues of this planet's mysterious past to paint a global picture of surface composition and the evolution of the planet's ancient highlands. Seven months after our second flyby, da Vinci will release its atmospheric descent probe. The spacecraft will watch its probe enter Venus's atmosphere over the course of two days. The probe will take about an hour to fall through the atmosphere, taking measurements and snapping images down to the surface. These measurements include profiles of composition, winds, temperature, pressure, and acceleration. Key gases will be measured to help us understand how Venus formed and evolved. Some of these measurements may reveal chemical signatures of ancient water. With our suite of measurements, da Vinci will provide new insights into Venus's atmosphere's complex composition, structure, and chemistry. As the probe nears the surface, its descent camera will capture breathtaking bird's-eye views of the mysterious terrain known as the Alpha Regio Tessera, possibly revealing evidence in the rocks that water once flowed across the Venusian surface. These up-close images of the surface will provide new insights into geologic processes and will help us to understand what it might be like to stand on the Venus surface. An oxygen-sensing student collaboration experiment will shed light on the role of this gas in the Venus atmosphere. The discoveries that emerge from this diverse data set will tell us whether Venus was truly habitable and the story we reveal at Venus will reach even beyond the solar system to analog exoplanets that will be observed with the James Webb Space Telescope. Venus is waiting for us all, and da Vinci is ready to take us there and ignite a new Venus Renaissance. This is space time. Still to come. Evidence of an exploding comet discovered in Chile and NASA's Ingenuity helicopter undertakes its 15th flight across the red planet. All that and more still to come on Space Time.
new study has revealed that slabs of silicate glass covering the ground in Chile's high Atacama Desert were caused by a comet. Around 12,000 years ago, something scorched a vast area of the desert with heat that was so intense, it turned the sandy soil into widespread slabs of glass. A report in the journal Geology claims mineral samples in the glass closely match the composition of material returned to Earth by NASA's Stardust mission, which sampled particles from the comet Vilt 2. The findings suggested the inferno which melted the silicate sands into glass was caused by an extraterrestrial object, most likely a comet, air bursting overhead. One of the study's authors, Peter Schultz from Brown University, says it's the first time scientists have had clear evidence of glasses on Earth being created by thermal radiation and winds from a fireball exploding above the surface. He says to have such a dramatic effect on such a large area suggests a truly massive explosion. The glasses are concentrated in patches across the Atacama High Desert, east of a plateau in northern Chile, nestled between the Andes Mountains to the east and the Chilean coastal range to the west. Huge fields of green or black glass occur within this corridor, stretching about 75 kilometres. And there's no evidence that these glasses could have been created by volcanic activity, so their origin's always been a bit of a mystery. Now, some researchers have postulated that these glasses could have resulted from grass fires, as this region wasn't always a desert. During the Pleistocene epoch, the area was covered in oases with trees and grassy wetlands, created by rivers extending from mountains to the east. And it's been suggested that widespread fires may have burnt hot enough to melt the sandy soils into large glassy slabs. The problem is the amount of glass present, along with several key physical characteristics, makes simple grass fires an impossible formation mechanism. The glasses show evidence of having been twisted, folded and rolled, and even thrown while still in a molten state. And all that's more consistent with a large incoming meteor and airburst explosion, which would have been accompanied by tornado force winds. And the mineralogy of the glass casts further serious doubt on the grass fire idea. Schultz and colleagues performed detailed chemical analyses on dozens of samples taken from glass deposits right across the region. The analysis found mineral zircons, which had been thermally decomposed to form batalite. And that mineral transition typically happens in temperatures in excess of 3,000 degrees, far hotter than anything which could be generated by grass fires. The analyses also turned up assemblages of exotic minerals only found in meteorites and other extraterrestrial rocks. Specific minerals like cubanite, trollite and calcium-aluminum-rich inclusions or CAIs all match mineral signatures from comet samples retrieved in NASA's Stardust mission. These minerals are the very signatures of a comet. Schultz says tentative dating places the airburst event at around the same time that large mammals disappeared from the region, around 12,000 years ago. He says it may be too soon to say there was a causal connection between the two events, but they did happen around the same time, which is interesting. Even more intriguing... Schultz says there's also a chance that this airburst was actually witnessed by early human inhabitants who had only just arrived in the region, which would have been a fascinating welcome to their new homeland. This is space time. Still to come, NASA's Mars Ingenuity helicopter undertakes its 15th flight on the Red Planet. And later in the science report, evidence that an extinct Japanese wolf may have been the closest relative 
to the domestic dog. All that and more still to come on Space Time. NASA's Mars Ingenuity helicopter is undertaking its 15th flight on the Red Planet. The flight in the skies above Jezero Crater is the first leg of a journey taking the rotocopter back to its starting point on its first ever flight on Mars. The 128-second flight is pre-positioning the 1.8-kilogram rotocopter for future operations in a new direction. Mission managers are planning a series of flights in coming weeks, returning the tissue box-sized chopper to the Perseverance rover's original landing site. This is where Ingenuity undertook its historic five initial demonstration flights, the first time an aircraft had flown on another world. Since then, NASA's been using Ingenuity to scout ahead of the Perseverance rover as it explores the red planet. Ingenuity's total flight distance is now well over three kilometres. But the journey back will be a lot shorter, as many of the outward journeys have been on routes designed to capture specific images. Since landing on Mars in mid-February, Perseverance and Ingenuity have been travelling south to study rock outcrops. But NASA mission managers are now turning their attention more towards the north and west of the landing zone. They'll first trek north, then turn to the west to reach Jezero Crater's ancient river delta where the mission will study sediments, searching for signs of past microbial life. NASA's also preparing a flight software upgrade for the rotocopter, which will potentially enable it to have new navigation capabilities. This is Space Time. Time now to take another brief look at some of the other stories making news in science this week with the Science Report. There's been a tragedy at a Nebraska zoo where three extremely rare snow leopards have died of COVID-19. Two of the zoo's Sumatran tigers who are also infected are responding well to treatment. There are fewer than 10,000 snow leopards left remaining in the wild, with that number expected to decline by a further 10% in coming years because of poaching and a loss of habitat. Over 5.2 million people have now been killed by the COVID-19 coronavirus since it first spread out of Wuhan, China. However, the World Health Organization says the true death toll is likely to be double that amount, with more than a quarter of a billion people now confirmed infected. Scientists are warning that the worsening effects of global warming on soils could see food and fibre production affected by fungal plant pathogens. The findings, reported in the journal Nature Climate Change, are based on data from global field surveys and a nine-year-long field experiment. Scientists found that as temperatures increase, so too does the abundance of pathogens in the soil. The findings will help researchers understand how these pathogens affect the world's soils, which will be fundamental to reducing their impacts on world food supplies. A new study suggests that an extinct Japanese wolf may be the domestic dog's closest relative. A report on the pre-press biology website BioArchive claims Canis lupus hodophylax 
may have descended from a vanished population of East Asian grey wolves, which may also have given rise to modern dogs. Scientists sequenced the genomes of nine specimens of the species, the last of which was killed by humans in 1905, in order to find out exactly where the species fitted in the canine evolutionary tree. And the findings show that this Japanese wolf species appears to be more closely related to the ancestor of the modern domestic dog than any other species of wolf found so far. Well, just when you thought the workerati couldn't go any further with the whole preferred pronouns thing, Microsoft has taken it to a whole new level. Hello everyone, I'm Natalia Godilla. I'm a Caucasian woman with long blonde hair and I go by she, her. I'm a product marketing lead here at Microsoft with this guy. Yes, that would be me. Hello everyone, I'm Nick Fillingham. I'm a Caucasian man with glasses and a beard. I go by he, him, and I'm a security evangelist here at Microsoft. Okay, well, I'm Stuart. I'm 186 centimeters or six foot two inches tall. I'm wearing blue jeans, a black rip curl t-shirt and white Nikes. Alex, this is the way Microsoft want us to start thinking now, is it? <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, it seems they've woken up to uh, woke wokeness. I mean, they were they were saying that it was to cater to people who were uh, you know had vision problems, but uh, I did see the video clips and it uh, did seem a bit ridiculous. It seemed very funny to me. So there's been lots happening in the last week, and at the top of the list would be Apple launching a new self service repair program. Tell me about it. Yes, well, they're launching this in the US to start with, and they'll roll it out to the rest of the world in 2022. Now, what Apple is doing is it's letting its customers buy parts directly from Apple with manual as well so that you can know how to repair these things and tools, uh, although tools are also available from websites like iFixit who famously tear down all the different devices and, and give them a, yeah, a repairability rate. Yeah, and they'll, you know, there'll be 200 parts on offer, but clearly this is only for people who really know what they're doing because some people attempt this and then they'll fail and probably have to take their device into Apple or to a, one of the kiosks to get them things repaired. But this program is Apple's way essentially of acquiescing to the right to repair movement, which fights against companies who have been locking things down and making people only use authorized repair services. I mean, some of the previous iPhones had, or Macs, I think, had lots of glue inside them replace the batteries. And this comes from an era when 10, 15 years ago, laptops were sold. You could remove the hard disk, you could remove the RAM, you could upgrade it yourself. But these days, in the quest to get things thinner and lighter and smaller, and I guess, uh, you know, to ma maximize profits for the companies that are able to repair them uh, in an authorized fashion, it's been made difficult to repair these things because they've just been manufactured in such a way that it's, it's difficult to repair. So this program has started and uh, it'll come to Australia sometime in 2022. That's Alex Sahara-Royd from ity.com. And that's the show for now. Spacetime is available every Monday, Wednesday and Friday through Apple Podcasts, iTunes, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, Pocket Casts, Spotify, Acast, Amazon Music, Bytes.com, SoundCloud, YouTube, your favourite podcast download provider and from SpacetimeWithStuartGary.com. Spacetime's also broadcast through the National Science Foundation on Science Zone Radio and on both iHeartRadio and TuneIn Radio. And you can help to support our show by visiting the Spacetime store for a range of promotional merchandising goodies. Or by becoming a Spacetime patron, which gives you access to triple episode commercial free versions of the show, as well as lots of bonus audio content which doesn't go to air, access to our exclusive Facebook group and other rewards. Just go to spacetimewithstuartgary.com for full details. 
And if you want more space time, please check out our blog, where you'll find all the stuff we couldn't fit in the show, as well as heaps of images, news stories, loads of videos, and things on the web I find interesting or amusing. Just go to spacetimewithstuartgary.tumblr.com. That's all one word, and that's Tumblr without the E. You can also follow us through at Stuart Gary on Twitter, at Spacetime with Stuart Gary on Instagram, through our Spacetime YouTube channel, and on Facebook, just go to facebook.com forward slash Spacetime with Stuart Gary. And Spacetime is brought to you in collaboration with Australian Sky and Telescope magazine, your window on the universe. You've been listening to Spacetime with Stuart Gary. This has been another quality podcast production from Bytes.com. 